The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio is speaking. So in this sort of story that we've been looking at, if you've been with us, it's, it's this letter or really it's part of a series of letters from this man named Paul to these people living in this ancient city of Corinth that was near Athens, similar to Athens, if you're familiar with that kind of Greek culture, coming out of that. And he's addressing these people trying to find their way um, amidst a culture that is very different than what he's, different than the way of Jesus. Uh, so the Corinthian culture was was very free and philosophical, and they kind of did whatever they want, uh, didn't want to answer to anybody, and now there's this sort of new, new story, new narrative coming in that these people are coming over, like, wow, we actually are identifying with the story of Jesus and this grace and, and the beauty of it. Um, that's a hard thing, and so, so this man named Paul is, is addressing that. And I was thinking about Paul this week, and even some of the tone of his letters, uh, if we think about Paul's story, Paul was a man who... who not only disliked the church, he was trying to destroy the church. Some of us know this story. He persecuted the church. He was a religious leader uh, for the Jewish people, and this new Christian church was coming up, and it was like the worst thing to him. So he didn't just dislike it. He was trying to destroy it. He openly persecuted it. Uh, He wanted to have people dragged out of their homes and killed for being part of this church. That's that's Paul's story. Paul, if you remember his his deal, he's walking this road. All of a sudden, there's this flash of light. There's this voice. He goes temporarily blind. This voice comes in, and it's, and it's God, and he's saying, Paul, what, what are you doing? Like, back off my people. And not only do I need you to back off my people, I want you to lead my people so we could have more of my people. And so his life is just dramatically interrupted. And, and so when Paul writes these things, it's always good to remember a little bit of the, his personal story, where he's coming from. Because he comes from the worst of the worst, and he says that about himself. I am the worst of the worst. And so, so he can identify when he's speaking to people, sometimes a little harshly, he's like, because I was there. And I know that these interruptions can be hard, but trust me when I say this to you, it, it is the perfect path for you. It's the most beautiful way. And destiny, and if you say destiny, fate, God, fill in that blank. When there's a calling in your life, calling, calling rarely, it rarely calls upon us in the moment of our choosing. We don't choose those things. I will come back to that over and over again. All right, we, don't, we don't all of a sudden get to a space like, okay, I'm ready now for a major interruption, have my life changed. Uh, you know, let's do it. God will come in and, and destiny will come in and call upon us, but it doesn't mean it's in the moment of our, our choosing. I think about that for many of us, our own stories, often with our spouse, right? It's, sometimes you're really looking and you're like just desperate for a spouse. Sometimes it just sort of comes out of nowhere. Or, or a job that maybe, maybe you're really hunting for, but sometimes that dream job just comes, comes out of nowhere. This calling comes out of nowhere. And those things get in your mind, and, and, and you can't stop it. You're not in control, and that's amazing. Do you feel yourself being swept away? Like, I don't know. Like, I just got to be involved in church. I got to be involved in trafficking, I, I need to be in this relationship, man, just kind of go with that. Allow those sort of interruptions to happen. Uh, first, uh, first few chapters of this, of this book, uh, in, in letters of, chapters of this, of this letter of Corinthians, it, it really kind of addressed this sort of idea. It's like, hey, God loves you. You're good. You're, you're beautiful people. Uh, there is grace, but you're behind, and you're kind of acting like idiots. Like, God loves you, but you're an idiot. That's sort of, the, that's sort of what Paul's saying in the beginning of this book. So, like, he's like, you're cool. Like, I, I still love you, but you're, you're being really dumb now. Some of us need to hear that. Like, maybe you need to hear that. Like, God loves you, but you're an idiot. So, work on that stuff. So, so the Corinthian churches, they're just like, they're just being dumb. And, and Paul, coming from his place, is like, I, I'm having a real hard time listening to this stuff from a distance. So, it goes like this. I'll read chapter 5, and we'll kind of make some comments. Um, we're either going to do chapter 5 or 5 through 9, probably just chapter 5 uh, today. So uh, it goes like this. And this is 
kind of weird topic, honestly. It, it, the, the title of this chapter is dealing with, dealing with a case of incest, so I'm kind of like, eh, maybe I'll pass on this one this week, but uh, here's what's happening. It's actually, it's been, it, he's writing to these people again. It's actually reported that there's sexual morality among you, and a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is, being, is with his father's wife, and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put, out, put, this man out, put this man out of your fellowship who's been doing this? For my, my part, even though I'm not physically present, I am with you in spirit as one who is present with you in this, in this way. He sort of said, I've got word of this. It's, it's, it's not only not cool, it's, it's like, he's like, this is disgusting. Not even the pagans uh, live this way. And he goes on to say in verse 6, your boasting is not good. So they're proud. It says, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch? Get rid of the old yeast that you may be new, an unleavened batch, as you really are. So, so he's addressing this sort of, this kind of dark, nasty issue, right? It's just sort of, it's not something you want to talk about. But over the past couple chapters, and really going into the next bunch of chapters, this idea of sexual morality just comes up over and over again. Like he starts on one idea, we'll read, talking about something, and all of a sudden he goes right back to it. Because this is this prevailing issue in this, in this story, really throughout the New Testament. And it's not because the first sort of century Christians had this, you know, major hang-ups with uh, with, with sex, I mean that, that's not just the issue, but it's because the culture was such in such a dramatically different place. So the, the the ethics of the Greek culture really clashed with the ethics of Jesus, and this is one of those those marquee points where the Greek culture was like they had this saying, "If the stomach's hungry, let it eat." Like just do whatever you want, just give into it, just give into it. And Jesus wants full life for us. He wants these things. He wants us to be alive and and to eat, drink, and be merry, but there's certain guidelines where, where we believe, like, this is going to be better in the long run. And Paul writes, not even the pagans tolerate this stuff. And so he understands that this kind of an incestuous relationship was, it was even taboo for the pagans of this day. And these are some pretty wild people. Like, this is, this is like Vegas-style people. And like, those guys don't even do that, dude. Like, what are you doing? And the Christian church of Corinth actually seemed to be accepting the behavior. I don't know where they're coming off what are they proud of? Maybe it's because like, we're so accepting, we're so gracious, and we're, we get this idea, everyone's included. Paul's like, whoa, you're missing it. This is a problem. And I think we've kind of seen some of that today in the church. If you're in the church or out of the church, when people of, of faith behave in a way that even people outside the church find offensive, have you ever been there? Like you've noticed like, oh my gosh, please, please don't be a Christian. Oh my gosh, that guy, oh shoot, that guy goes to church. Like you just, it, it aches. It brings down the whole thing. There's this sort of saying, bumper stickers that go around, it says, dear God, save me from your followers. It's like, like I don't have a problem with God, but these people are nuts. And, and Paul is addressing, like, you guys, you're, you're, you're blowing it here. You're blowing it here. My wife has been in these, these conversations all over town. We've, you know, we've served in the church for, for years now, and we've worked in different environments. And it's always a little bit hard when, you, when, you, when we're having these conversations. People start making comments about someone, like, oh, a person's stuck up, pretentious, proud condescending and they're like wait don't they go to your church and you're like oh my gosh you know my wife's like yeah he's the pastor i'm like ah you know but it's just it's, it's sort of like oh my gosh please no because it affects sort of the group right now there's grace we all make mistakes that's not the issue but i think we sense that if you're part of this sort of movement you know politicians like oh my gosh please don't be a christian like it's just because it doesn't speak the values that we believe in the values of love and, and grace but also also truth and Paul's leaning into this idea with these guys, like, guys, this is crazy. Not only are you allowing this stuff, 
collectively, so it's not just one guy, collectively you're, 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 not, you're supporting it. And those things are hard when we see that. That could be in our you know, politics, that's entertainment, you know, relationships, family. When someone in your, in your clan or your tribe starts doing some stuff, like, oh no, I don't want to be associated with that because it kind of brings the whole thing down. And he says, you're proud of it, you're boasting about it. And so the sin's one issue, because it, it certainly is, a, is an issue, but what says, what's, what, what's maybe worse, what he's leaning into is that you're proud of it, that you're just sort of going with it. And he's more concerned with, with the Corinthian Christians that they're, that they're taking this lightly than he is about this one thing. Because the one thing we can deal with, if it's one person, one act, the guy gets it, we can sort it out. But this overarching like, story being formed from this church is like, he's like, this is dangerous. You guys cannot behave this way. You cannot live this way. You cannot accept this thing. Right? Making a mistake is one thing. Uh, outright sin is, 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 is one thing. Like, we all have that stuff, but the full and neglect is where we get in trouble. And he's looking back, like, you guys can't grow. The first few chapters, like, you guys are not growing because they're not actually dealing with stuff. That's hard. There's this classic scene in, uh, in Tommy Boy. Anyone remember Tommy Boy, old classic comedy? And uh, Tommy Boy's visiting this big comp- corporation in, in, in uh, Chicago, and he's trying to, like, fight for his company. And, and uh, Chris Farley, just tremendous, and he's like, all disheveled, and he gets out of the cab, and he just, just wipes his pine tree, like, air freshener all over his suit, and he meets this, this boss from the corporation, uh, Ray Zielinski, and the guy's like, went a little heavy on the pine tree perfume there, kid, and uh, Tommy's like, sir, it's a taxi cab air freshener, and, he's, and he says, great, you pinpointed it, step two is washing it off, like, there's this sort of idea, like, yeah, that's not good to have that all over you, now do something about it, wash it off, Right? You've pinpointed the problem. I think for a lot of us in the room, if we're honest about our lives, like the things that we run into trouble with our, with our relationships, our spouse, our work, our faith, fill in the blank, you know, your own bodies, like wherever those issues arise, a lot of times you can figure out what it is. You've pinpointed the issue. Like step two is washing it off. Step two is kind of get to work in that thing. What are these things that keep coming up in your life that, are, that, are, that make you feel like, ugh, it's envy, jealousy, gossip, I don't, whatever that stuff is, addiction, okay, you figured it out, like step two is washing it off. You've done it, you've done it, okay, we can, we're moving past that. It's not like don't do that, like okay, you, it's happened, you've wiped pine tree, pine tree perfume all over your body, now, now deal with it. I was uh, up here with a few guys this week in this space. Uh, there's a weekly meals program up here that's just really cool, really beautiful outreach project. It's uh, supported by one of the Catholic organizations in town. and uh, We've known about it and it's just taken a while to make contact and see if we can show up. So this past Wednesday, a number of guys from our guys group came up here and, and just to kind of surf, to sort of jump in. This whole room's full of tables. There's probably 100 people in here, full on free pro- program, home-cooked meal coming out of the back, serving, waiting tables, very, very, very cool. Um, dessert, drinks, and it was just cool to see this room being used that way and for us to jump in. And so there'll be more of that to come. We want to sort of get everyone rotated through that. Um, families, couples, however you want to get out here and serve. Very, very cool thing. But, but during that night, I'm kind of cruising around, and there was a fair amount of uh, stuff to do, but there was help. So uh, I figured, you know, I'm just going to go sit down with a few people and, and just listen to some stories, get to know some people, which, which to be honest with you, like, is not... It's honestly not easy for me. Like, I feel like that's one of those interruptions. Like, that's what I'm supposed to do right now. But I'd much rather actually work in the kitchen and, like, serve food. Like, that would be easier. Like, I have to go sit down and make a conversation. Like, 
that's hard. It's, it's hard for my personality. It's hard in these settings because it's, it's honestly just a very social, different you know, economic people group in here. And so I just sit down and, you know, first guy starts talking to you like, there's nothing. Like, he doesn't, and actually, he's, when I sat down next to him, he stopped eating his food. <laughs> I'm serious. And like, when I would go, I, this, you know, I'd look away, or I'd kind of do something else, I, he would start eating again. But if I kind of turned back toward him, he would stop eating. And so I was like, all right, I'm not, you know, I can't, I'm just going to let that guy go. Like, he's fine. <laughs> but the other guy started talking to him, and you make conversation around the table, sitting over there by the windows, and like, you know, it's just small talk. You know, where are you from? What, what's this whole thing? And and uh, sorry, I'm talking with this guy, and I'm just going to call him uh, Marcus for now because his name was Marcus. And and we were we were talking, and he just started sharing his story, and and uh, man, just a tremendously heartbreaking story. He's probably about my age, and uh, journey from Mexico to different cities across the United States, different fa- living with different parts of his family, uh, ends up here, and just involved chronically in sort of gang gang lifestyle, in and out of prison. Uh, he tells me, you know, he's been shot uh, X amount of times, and I'm like, oh my gosh, no way, man. And then, like, he lifts up his shirt, and it's like, I mean, it's gnarly scars on his body, and, and um, <clears throat> hard to listen to, but, but honestly, a guy with a really great disposition, you know, he was just, he was happy to be sharing. And I was like, man, you got any kids? And he's like, yeah, I got three daughters. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, that's, you know, like, that's, you know, that's amazing, like, you have pictures of them, and and uh, he had pictures, and it's, he's like, well, they're all from three different moms, and it's, their, their ages are 1, 10, and 17, and I'm like, you know, like, you get to see him? He's like, no, I don't, I don't see him. He's like, one of them, we lost the foster care, and, and he's like, no, it's hard. He's, he's like, man, it breaks my heart every day. But then he says, he's like, but I just couldn't shake, I couldn't shake what I was doing. And he couldn't take that step. He's like, and he honestly was just saying, like, there were seasons when I stopped doing what I was doing, but I never really changed like he, he would halt up for maybe just a little bit from whatever he was doing that was getting in trouble there's there was some behavior modification but he never fully switched sort of environments and he continued sort of back back into this place and those are real consequences i don't think most of us have to deal with that that dramatic of a storyline maybe you do <clears throat> but those are real things that can catch up with us if we don't make the right sort of decisions the hard call to sort of shift uh, people, work, you know, environment, whatever that thing is, that stuff eventually comes up to us, and it can be very hard to fix. And it was hard to listen to this guy, and he was just owning it. He was like, yeah, I, I didn't do it. I didn't change. And he, he's trying again. You know, he's, he's trying again. It was, it was hard to listen to, but that idea of, of, of stopping behavior briefly, because I think lots of us can do that. We can alter behavior briefly, Right, that's kind of the exercise thing. Like most of us can kick off or eating right or reading our Bible more. We can do that. But then like, are you really shifting this sort of new way of thinking about, about your life? And those are harder conversations. And so Paul's addressing these, these people. And on one hand, there's these issues that come up, like a one, one-time thing. But it's this overall culture they're creating that's just very dangerous. And then previously in this, in this letter, he's really dealing with sort of the mental problems. And he starts to move into these moral problems. That this, that this group is, is, is sort of fostering. And it's not just about the issue again, but it's, it's that this community is failing. Because when we talk about faith and life, it's, it's not an individual thing. It, it never was meant to be. Yeah, we have stuff that we're accountable for, but man, it, it's, done, it's done this way and this way. We have to have that. That's, that, that's, that's critical. That's, that's how it works. That's what keeps us healthy. In the church and in our relationships and our friend circles, 
And health is so important. And if a body's healthy, right, if our bodies are healthy, they will heal. I got a cold this past week. I'm, I'm, I, I, you know, took some vitamin C, tried to eat healthy, failed at getting to bed early, but, like, I'm doing the best I can to bring the body up. Like, it will, it will generally heal itself. And if something's healthy, it can heal itself. Like, community, friends, your faith. If it's generally in a healthy place, when things come up, when an infection arises, when something gets in, like, you'll be okay. If you have a healthy relationship with, with your, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, spouse, generally it's founded on, on, on good things, good foundation, stuff will come up, you'll, you have a good chance of making it because overall it's, it's healthy. But when there's sickness overall in the broader community, it, it's, it's hard to heal. My wife's awesome, like homeopathic, naturopath, and many of you guys know that and have even consulted her. We have this closet in our house that has all these little vials of like strange things like catnip and milkweed and nettles and silver and toadswort and like all these little bottles of stuff, you know. And people who know her, they come over like, I'm sick, I need some of your potions. And like she can go into the closet and just like there's just smoke and green lights coming out of it. And it's like, what's happening in there? But, but she deals with the, the, the body in such a way that she's, she's learned. It's like, all right, what's, something's bothering you, but let's bring up the whole body. Let's bring up the, the health of the whole system because if the system is healthy, we, it, it can help fight this thing. It can work to heal this thing. That's why our community, I believe in, in, in church, it's so important to be involved in healthy community. When stuff comes up in your life, like, you're going to be okay. If the community is tainted, like Paul's dealing with, when stuff comes up, it's not going to be okay. No one's going to be getting better. Right? I mean, painkillers okay temporarily, but just masking pain is, is not ultimately fixing the problem. So we're going to bring up, the, bring up the whole system. So Paul, yeah, he's addressing a, a specific issue, but we'll see really throughout the letter. It's this general issue, but the way they're doing life together is, is, is not good. And he's talk, he talks about this idea of this little bit of, of yeast sort of affecting the whole dough. And, and in this time, this ancient time, you know, we think of yeast maybe as some powder, but really it was, it was, a, it was a starter dough that they use to, to make the rest of the bread. So I know we have some bakers in here, my wife, Lee Amber, like some of you could probably speak to this more than I can, but in ancient times, for sure, there was this one lump of starter dough. They moved on and on and on. They used that yeast each time to, to, to leaven the bread. Like it was the same sort of, sort of ball. So this little bit can affect, can affect the whole thing. These little bits of microorganisms and yeast and, and lactobacilli, like it can, it can affect the whole thing. And it's cool for bread, Right? But in this situation, Paul's like, remember, like, even a little bit can, can change the whole thing. A little something in there can change the whole thing. Even in the Old, Old Testament times in Passover, they, they would do this. And once a year, they actually had to throw out that, that ball, that little starter dough, and start over. And it was sort of for, for, health, for health reasons, realizing, you guys got to, let's start over. It's a starting over point. And Paul writes about this in this, in this section here when he's, when he's addressing the, the 11 bed. He says, Excuse me, Paul, the, uh, the page. He says, um, don't you know a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast. It may be a new unleavened batch as you really are, uh, as you really are. For Christ is the pa- Passover lamb. So he says this little bit is actually affecting the whole thing. You have to sometimes get rid of that thing. There's a little something in your life or in your community. Don't think that it's not going to win you over at some point. And I was thinking about that this week just for us as we sort of process. We'll close in a few minutes. This little bit of, say, blank can re- keep you from becoming who you really are. And you can fill in the blank there. This little bit of something in your life, and, and I think for who you really are, that's God's best version of you. Leave that for everybody. God is, a, is his best version of you that we're working toward, and God is working with us on. But a little bit of blank can keep us from who we really are. And, and I don't know what that is for you. It's insecurity, if it's anger, if it's 
if it's envy, if it's, if it's lust, if it's some kind of addiction, whatever that thing is, what is that little thing that's keeping you from being who you really are? And be mindful of that thing. Be mindful of that thing. I was, uh, I was working at the brewery a couple weeks ago, and the afternoon on Saturday, and it was, it was kind of slow when we first opened. This, this group comes in, and we're making small talk. And, uh, and uh, eventually, so, you know, so, you know, what are you guys, where are you guys from? L.A., you know. Uh, where you been? Where are you staying? This kind of thing, like you know. So well, I was like, well, so what are you guys up to? Because and they were kind of being a little like, you know, a little they're avoiding, but not fully. And I'm okay with that. I'll, I'll, I'll still ask questions. Like I'll just be that guy. Like, um, and this guy, and there's three of them. The, the guy kind of with them, middle guy is probably 25. He says he's like, well, I'm up here to turn myself in. And uh, I was like, oh wow, man, like you know, really sorry. Um, I was like, what'd you do? He's like, I stabbed the bartender. I'm like, oh okay, like. Uh, yeah, but he's like, I'm like, sorry, man, like, what do you, you know, uh, you know, I didn't want to pry too much, but I was, you know, interested, and he seemed somewhat open, I said, you know, what, what are you looking at, you know, he says, he's like, 180 days, and I was like, man, that's rough, and, uh, but yeah, this guy's super, just having a moment, he says, he said, the way I look at it, so he's going to turn himself into jail for 180 days, and the way I look at it is I'm going to spend 180 days to get the rest of my life back, and I'm going to spend 180 days to get the rest of my life back, and he was, I think he meant it. Whatever happened, whatever story was going on, you know, I didn't get all the details from him. It was enough for him to say, you're right, you know what? I'm going to go into this thing with a good attitude and, I, and I'm going I'm to build on it. Right? I'm changing. I'm going to cut out the, this infected dough. Sometimes we need that fresh start. And sometimes there's a cost to it. Like, sometimes it'll be easier just to keep the old dough around. Like, oh gosh, I have to do a starter again? Like, I, why can't I just use the same one? Man, that 180 days or cutting out that certain area of your life, dealing with that certain area of your life for a short time, even if it's hard to get the rest of your life, yeah, that's worth it. And there was just some really, something really insightful about this guy and talking to him. I just, just prayed for my mind, you know, I was just really, really encouraged by this. So uh, we have Noah come up and Josh, and um, we'll take a, do a couple more songs. We've got communion set up in the back, and so how this will work is just, just sort of self-serve. So the idea of communion is this was Jesus having dinner with his, his friends, a ceremonial, historical, traditional dinner. And he says, when you guys gather again to do this, he says, remember me. Remember me in your life. Remember my story. Remember grace. And remember where you, where you come from, where I've taken you. And so that's communion. So we're going to do uh, really a couple songs. So I'd say over the first song, if, you, if, you, if you're willing and interested, you don't have to. Uh, there's a little piece of kind of cracker, and that symbolizes the body of Christ, and there's some juice and symbolizes the blood of Christ. That's just to take a moment. Um, and I, I would just say, yeah, just talk to God, listen for God. Uh, you guys know where you're at. Um, but take a chance to think, okay, what inventory of my life? Like, what is those things in my life that that blank is keeping me from being the best, best version of myself? And if you don't know what that is, that's okay, <laughs> you know. But, but kind of lean into that deal. And I, and I really just think about this guy. Like, what is that thing? What can I do, man, to get the rest of my life back? Because maybe some of us are a little disappointed where we're at. Like, gosh, I thought it'd be different. But okay, well, what, what can you do to kind of reclaim some of the rest of that? God's story for you. So let's pray. And then, again, we'll have a couple songs. God, thank you for uh, your story, just the honesty of people. Um, man, life can be hard, God. And uh, I just pray for anyone right now struggling with stuff. Give them courage and strength to deal with it. Uh, I pray for your spirit right now just to speak for people of fears, doubts, anger. Um, 
move in us, Lord. I, I pray for a healthy community here, God. I ask for just continue to be a healthy community that we love one another, uh, be here for one another. In Jesus' name, amen. The preceding was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio was speaking. For more information about New Church, go to N-E-U-E-C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. That website address again is N-E-U-E-C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you and yours.